Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to give you tools to stop eating your feelings. I'll also be interviewing Nicole Romanella O'Neill, who shares her insight on why chronic dieting is masking your emotions and not allowing you to live a fulfilled life. For more information on Nicole, please visit mondaydieter.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Eating Your Emotions When we're children, we often learn that we have to self-soothe in some way. That behavior can be sucking our thumb, our security blanket, a specific toy, or many different types of things that we use to help us not feel a certain way. And that self-soothing behavior is often reinforced by our family as they continue to give us those certain items or tell us to do certain things. For example, a pacifier, or they'll always give you your security blanket or your special toy, which they know is going to help you alleviate some type of stress. And as we get older, those self-soothing behaviors start to manifest themselves a little bit different. We don't have our parents to encourage us. And so when we start to feel a certain way, we start to use those same type of self-soothing behaviors, but more in adult way. Every version of self-soothing comes from our five senses, our sense of sight, our sense of hearing, our sense of taste, our sense of touch, and our sense of smell. Each one of those senses determines what we're going to do to self-soothe. And in this particular lesson, we're going to focus specifically on our sense of taste. As children, we were taught early on to put something in our mouth. That could be a pacifier, that could be a bottle, that could be many different types of things. And so when we do that, it's an immediate gratification of not either feeling hungry or a simple self-soothing technique as that pacifier manifests itself through the physical sense of taste. And as we get older, we will often revert back to that particular behavior itself. We feel a certain way and we automatically want to self-soothe. So we put something in our mouth. You'll hear me talk a little bit later in the interview about how emotions themselves, we can't see them, but of course we feel them. So in order to feel like we're in control of our emotions, we do a physical action. That physical action is the self-soothing behavior by using our sense of taste. So we don't want to feel a certain way. We immediately do what we did as a child, put something in our mouth. And then since the taste sensation stimulates the pleasure sensor in our brain, we all of a sudden feel better. So we've taught ourselves that in order to feel better, the way to change our emotions is to counteract that with a sense of taste. So that's why you'll often find if there's an emotion that you're struggling with or something that's difficult for you, you have trained yourself in a very ritualistic way to no longer feel a certain way. So then you eat something, you put something in your mouth by using your sense of taste. The great thing about this particular lesson is when you recognize that you've coupled a negative emotion with a pleasure-filled sense of taste, you can still engage in a self-soothing behavior by using your sense of taste. You just have to figure out a different way to do that. Obviously, the stronger the emotion, the more we're going to counteract that with our sense of taste by trying to balance that out. So think about this. When you're struggling with something, how much of your comfort food do you eat? The greater the emotional distress, the greater your sense of taste is going to try and self-soothe you. When you can recognize that there's an emotional connection between stress eating or comfort eating or eating your feelings, if you will, you then realize that you can still have your sense of taste, but you have to separate that from the emotions. 
Because once you separate the emotions and deal with them themselves and shed light on them, it then allows you to still enjoy your food, but not in a way that is detrimental to you. You'll find that there won't be that ritualistic connection between intangible emotions and a physical action. They often say you are what you eat. And if your emotions are overwhelming for you, then you will become what you eat because you're going to eat more and more and more of that. And then pretty soon it's taken on a life of its own. So what was initially taught to us as a child by using our sense of taste was a healthy thing. But then unfortunately, when we felt like we didn't have any control, we asserted ourselves by using our sense of taste and controlling those emotions by offsetting them by invoking the pleasure sensor in your brain. So we often kind of trick ourselves to think, wow, I'm feeling in a negative way, so I'm going to feel better. So I'm I'm going to trick myself by using my sense of taste to counterbalance that. And unfortunately, that becomes a vicious cycle. Then you start to feel negative about how you look or how you feel. And because of that, you eat more and then you feel worse about yourself and then you eat more. So we really have to interrupt that cycle of your self-soothing behavior with your sense of taste by essentially eating your feelings. Your feelings are a wonderful, amazing thing. And they're there for you to help you through any negative situation you're experiencing. When you're proactive and can figure out specific tools and techniques to help you deal with the emotions you're experiencing in a proactive way, instead of invoking your self-soothing behavior of your sense of taste, you'll find that you can enjoy all your comfort foods, but they're not going to be used in an unhealthy way. Unfortunately, powerful emotions that you're experiencing can never be fully remedied by using your sense of taste. Implementing new positive healthy coping strategies when you're feeling a certain way will help you overcome it. And then you can enjoy the food in a different time. So today, I really want to encourage you using your sense of taste in an unhealthy way to self-soothe the negative emotions you're experiencing is only going to make it worse. Work through those emotions you're experiencing because once you do, you will live an amazing, fulfilled life. Stop eating your feelings and express them in a healthy way. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Nicole Romanella O'Neill is a recovered Monday dieter. She's averaged that in her lifetime, she started 1,664 Monday diets, a diet every Monday for over 20 years. She has also failed 1,664 Monday diets. That's because there's an emotional component to eating that all diets have failed to address. Nicole believes one doesn't gain weight because of one cookie, One gains weight because it was actually 12 cookies that were eaten in one setting, all due to emotional eating. The Monday diet is a representation of emotional eating. Through Nicole's blog, she helps people understand the reasons why they emotionally eat and gives everyone, including herself, tools to address emotions. She believes when you healthily express your emotions, you will stop eating them. Welcome to my show, Nicole. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. It's funny, my listeners don't know this, but your father has been on my show a couple times, Rocky Romanella, an amazing man. So I was so happy that he connected us together. (laughs) Yes, thank you for that, Dad. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thanks, Rocky. (laughs) Now, when we originally talked, I, I loved your story. I mean, the whole Monday dieter, I think... My listeners are, I'm sure the ears are perking up right now because everybody has experienced this before where, as you've said before on the pre-call, I'm going to start my diet on Monday or I'm going to start something new on Monday. And unfortunately, when Monday comes along, it's always pushed to the back burner for the next Monday. Yep. Let's get a little bit of the backstory of you before we jump into your blog, The Monday Dieter, and we can definitely explore all that as well. For you, starting these 1,664 Monday diets, what was the cause for that? You know, obviously people want to lose weight, but there's more to it for you. Why did you do so many diets? 
You know, I never knew that I was an emotional eater. I mm. always blamed willpower. I'd always thought that I just hadn't found the perfect diet yet. Mm. And I always believed in the fairy tale of weight loss that, you know, my problems would melt away with the pounds. You know, I could finally be happy. I could finally have the right job. Everything would mm. be better Idealistic. when I lost weight. Exactly. And so what happened was, is I was, you know, getting married and like most girls do, they, you know, go on a diet to fit in their wedding dress. And I said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being on a diet. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to start one more diet and this is going to be the last diet I ever go on. And the nutritionist that I met with, she said, you know, Nicole, you know what you, you know what to do. And I said, I know, but I just can't do it. So I need help. And so she said, I think you need a little bit more than help. And mm. I ended up going to therapy oh. instead of starting a diet. And I say that therapy was the best diet I ever went on. Mm. I love it. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little biased being a psychotherapist, but I think that's absolutely true when you really address the holistic reason of it, because there's always a causality for something we yes. do. And if we're trying to just manage the symptoms and not the root of it, of course, then we're never going to be successful. Yes. Yeah. With that uh, counseling that you experienced, it sounds like you had an emotional awakening, uh, this aha moment, this introspective time, which really allowed for you to really attack it at the root of the cause. Exactly. So what happened was, is as I started talking, just talking about my life, you know, and I know that, you know, certain things happen to certain people that makes them eat. And I didn't realize that I was able to connect every single thing that happened mm. in my week with a time that I binged. Oh. And what I learned is that, you know, I would walk into therapy and I'd sit down in the chair and she'd start the session with, what was your eating like this week? And I'd say, you know, it was good. It was good. But on Tuesday, like I couldn't stop eating. You know, I ate an entire bag of chips. And she said, well, what happened on Tuesday? Oh, nothing, nothing. I was just stressed. But when I really, really deconstructed Tuesday mm -hmm. and figured out what had happened, I was able to connect something that happened with why I ate so much. And it could have been something big, like, you know, maybe I got yelled at by a boss at work, or it could have been something so small, like I saw a picture of myself on Facebook, and I couldn't believe that, you know, I looked the way I looked, or I saw someone texted me something that triggered me. And I realized that every single time I was overeating, there was something waiting in the wings that caused mm. this emotional wow. eating. So with that, it yours was the anything that exceeded or went higher than your emotional threshold, your automatic response was emotional eating. Exactly. And I was numbing whatever I was feeling. Like I felt, I must have felt uncomfortable feeling that way. And I was numbing it. But the interesting thing that I learned was that I was somebody who would, of course, overeat. I was a binge eater, emotional eater. Mm -hmm. But then the next morning I'd wake up and I'd restrict, restrict, restrict. Well, mm -hmm. I'm not eating at all today because I have to make up for what I did last night. And what I learned is that restriction is also yes. just as detrimental as overeating. Mm -hmm. So I realized that I was in a vicious cycle and like everything I was doing had a cause. And when I learned that it was a symptom, symptoms can be cured. They certainly can. So that's the light bulb moment I had. I was like eating and what I'm doing and dieting, it's not the problem, it's the symptom. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my light bulb moment. Well, that's amazing. You know, but when you think of it just in a maybe a holistic standpoint, either version of that coin is your you're being cruel to yourself. You're being harmful to yourself. You're being self-destructive. Your, your value is in either the restriction, so now you're punishing yourself, or you're overindulging, exactly. which in, that, in itself is unhealthy for you and is, is causing you to obviously have, have health issues or all these other things as well. So either mm -hmm. side of that is exactly what you're saying. It's so unhealthy and it is self-inflictive. Exactly. You know, I was, when I was hearing you say all this as well, it, it's so interesting because we look at 
the cause and effect. As soon as something happens, we immediately implement what we think is going to be healthy for us. What I kind of like in this too, and if, if you ever, I'm sure we've all known those people when they were younger that they cut or did some self-harm. What, what, what that happens, what people do is they have this emotional catharsis or the emotional pain. And the only way they can deal with it is, and they have to take that emotional pain and they have to make it real by actually inflicting pain on their body. And in that, because that's how they can control this. When you look at this from a psychological standpoint, it's very similar in the respect. It's not obviously cutting, but it's externalizing it so that you can control it from a physical standpoint. That's a problem with many people is emotions themselves. We can't hold on to them. We can't see them. We can just feel them. But what we can control is whatever is in front of us, our body or whatever, whatever food we have or anything exterior. So we try and overcome what our emotional problem is or struggle is based off of something that's physical or tangible. And that's where the cause and effect happens. And then just like you said, becomes this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah. So the Monday dieter itself. So when when you had this aha moment, how did you say, you know what, I'm going to write about this. So one thing that I learned was that one of the only ways to stop the eating, because, you know, I can't stop emotions. I can't stop what happens Mm -hmm. to me. I can't stop how I feel. And I'm entitled to everything that I feel, but I can stop the eating and it is very hard to, and it's something that I struggle with every day. You know, some days I'm strong enough to do it. Some days, you know what? A, a plate of brownies is gone and there's nothing that I can oh, do about it. I've been there. I think we've all been there, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing that I learned is that the only way to kind of stop the eating was to bring awareness to mm. the emotion. So it could be as simple as me saying, you know what? It makes me feel sad when you say this. I didn't have to even tell the person. I just mm. had to tell myself. Yeah. I had to bring awareness to my feelings in order to stop the eating. So that took me a long time to do in my own life. Mm. But once I started doing it, I can't, I'm telling you that I kind of felt free. I felt mm. like the weight of dieting was kind of lifted off of me. And all I wanted to do was tell everybody about it. So that was one, <laughs> that was one aspect of me yeah. starting Monday, Monday Dieter. But selfishly, I started blogging because every time I wrote, I brought more and more reality to my actual feelings mm. and it was therapeutic for me. Yeah. And then when I put it out there, more and more people, I can't even tell you, six degrees of separation, I'll be at a party and somebody will say, oh my gosh, I read your blog. I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Amazing. And that's what it kind of happened. It's I realized that like I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I think that people that struggle with dieting, I think we can all be equated to ducks above the water. We're calm. We're cool. We look like we have everything together, but underneath the surface, we're pedaling as quick as physically Mm. possible to manage the dieting, to live this life consumed with what we're eating and what we weigh and what size we're wearing. Wow. That's, that's a very powerful analogy. And I think it's so true. It really is. And it really is true how something that can be so powerful in our life can just really take over and really, like you said, consume us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that as well, I mean, the catharsis of you writing and normalizing what you're experiencing, you're not only normalizing it for yourself, but you're normalizing it for everybody else out there who does struggle with that. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most things because most, most of the time when people overeat or indulge in something that they're not proud of or a habit per se that they're not proud of, there's a lot of shame that goes along with it. So to really yeah. shed light on you and, every, and many other people, you know, I, sometimes I struggle with that too. Sometimes we feels if we're alone and that shame component doesn't allow for us to really talk about it. So what a wonderful platform that your, your blog, the Monday dieter can really 
create a forum for people to really say, I know exactly what you're feeling to really encourage each other as well. Well, and I, I wanted dieting to stop being my, it felt like a dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. Every time, you know, I went to the drugstore and looked at the diet pills. Every time I was online researching the latest and greatest diet, I felt like I had a dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. And I feel like dieting is often a little secret. So I felt like, you know, we need to talk about it. It doesn't need to be a secret because we all deal with it. I truly believe that we all have some level of issues with food. Oh, I totally agree. You know, especially with the way the food's created nowadays, you know, with all the the different uh, preservatives and all those other things as well. It's it's definitely um, easier to consume more of it, and, and obviously the the nutritional value is not the same as maybe it was years ago. So exactly, it's, it's, it's a, definitely a cause and effect in that respect because the majority of us are not as active as we were years ago as as, yeah. our, as our ancestors were. Yeah, so that's that's really true as well. What what are the different types of topics that you address? Because obviously it's the emotional eating, but are there is is your blog more holistic for other people who struggle in other areas? So yeah, so these are kind of topics that I talk about. So recently I did um, an article that I said, it's time we all stop calling ourselves fat in pictures. Mm. And Mm. I basically, you know, posted a picture that was an awful picture of me, of me at the beach with my daughter. And it was a picture that in the past I would literally like, I can't believe I look like this. Like, is that what I really look like? And it, it triggers you. And I would like, you know, hide behind that picture. I wouldn't want anyone to see it. And so, you know what I did is I posted it Oh wow! and I told everybody how I felt when I posted it. And I said, this picture is not about me looking the way that I look. This picture is about the fact that my four month old daughter just touched the ocean for the first time. Mm. And I should be looking at that picture, relishing in that moment and not thinking about what I looked like. And when I admitted to myself that I released the weight of feeling fat in the picture. So that's like one example. I just try to that's you know, amazing, tell people, Nicole. yeah, like I always say a picture, picture is worth a thousand pounds because it's like, we literally let pictures define us yeah. and we don't let them define the moment anymore. Mm-hmm. It's what we look like. It's what our arm looks like. It's what our face looks like. And it's awful. So I like kind of just write about like things that I feel that mm-hmm essentially when you bring awareness to them will kind of stop you to eating. Another thing I did recently was I took six different pairs of jeans in the exact same size from different brands. And I tried on every single pair of them in front of the mirror and took a picture and three of the pairs fit two of the pairs didn't button and one of the pairs was too big. And I just wanted to prove to everybody that the size doesn't matter. Wow. You know, that's what I write about. I, I love this. You know, just even hearing this, let's go back to the whole thing with your, with your daughter. Um, what a powerful reframe for you to, to really focus on what was the important thing of that. And I think it's, it's very liberating. I mean, I can hear it in your voice. I can hear how powerful, just in, as you explain this to everybody as well, I can hear how powerful that's going to be for them as well to look for that reframe. What's, what was the reason for that picture being taken? Not to shame you or to look mm-hmm. at your body. What, what a wonderful, amazing reframe to really focus on with those things that are actually true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think when my hope is that when other people read that, they have that aha moment too. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, it, like you said, it liberates you. It yeah. makes you feel like, okay, this doesn't matter. And if this doesn't matter, then I don't need to start another diet on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm sure that starts that frenetic chain for many people. 
mm-hmm. or cycle rather, is they see that or they maybe try and close, like you just said, uh, or they do something where all of a sudden that shame component comes in or that fear component comes in or that those self-loathing emotions come in and that's the trigger. And then it starts the emotional eating. Well, if I'm overweight or if I'm if I already this already, well, why not? What is 12 cookies compared to 10 cookies? You know, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, you look at, you like look at a beach. Every, there's a, a grain of sand, multiple grains of sand, millions, you know, billions of grains of sand to make up the beach. It's the same type of thing with one little choice we make when it comes to our food. Mm-hmm. Um, that adds up in the end. And so with that, I think when we forget that 12 cookies versus 11 cookies is going to, eventually add up. I mean, not in that moment, but it eventually will add up. So why not do that in a different way? Why not implement these new paradigm shifts of this is something, you know, I got to spend time with my daughter at the beach, or it's okay if this pair of pants doesn't fit me. I'm sure another one of the same size will fit me. When you can create those new behavioral constructs or new ideas of that, that's when just like those grains of sand, multiple things add up to a completely intrinsic change. And it's such, like we said before, it's such a liberating ability to live your life instead of being oppressed by the concept of, of overeating. Well, exactly. And not only does it stop you from overeating in the moment, it stops the Monday dieter mentality. Because mm-hmm. if I'm standing on the beach and I'm accepting the fact that I'm Nicole at X number of pounds with X number of flaws then I don't have to start a diet on Monday because I'm perfect the way I am. Yes. So yes. it's it's twofold. Yeah, and, and I think that's greater when you look when people look at something beyond one dimension of my weight defines my worth. My mm-hmm. you know some people can be my hair color defines my worth or my mm-hmm. skin color whatever it might be whatever those those different dimensions or how people quantify their worth when you expand it to something that has more meaning as opposed to something that is just simply a number. Um, you can live your life to the fullest, but those metrics of self-worth or self-esteem are often really skewed. And in that, when they're skewed like that, you know, you will have a Monday diet or you will have <laughs> multiple people who try something over and over again. And it can never actually be proud of themselves or happy with themselves or can really be affirmative of for themselves. Well, exactly. And I had this moment where I was like, the number on the scale means more to me than any promotion, than any college degree, than any success. And I think a lot of us feel that way. We Mm -hmm. let the scale, you know, we wake up every morning, we get completely naked, we stand on the scale. (laughs) That was me this morning, actually. (laughs) Yeah. You look at the number and if it's up, your day goes to crap. If it's down, you're walking around like, you know, you're who's who. And that was a moment that I Mm -hmm. had to say to myself, like, I'm letting that number define me and not the fact that I'm a mother, that I'm a sister, that I'm a daughter, that I'm a friend, that I'm a this, you know, it's like the number on the scale is the smallest, smartest, smallest part of me. It's not the biggest part of me. And I, like you said, it's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. With, with individuals who read your blog, do you, do you hear a lot of, and I I know you said like at parties, people talk about it, but do you hear how this is kind of creating a cultural movement or awareness in, um, in the people who follow you? You know, I do. And I've noticed Mm, it especially when people have their own aha moments. Like there's, I can give you two examples. You know, one example is I find a lot of people calling me or texting me after they're in the dressing room. And it's that moment where they're in between two sizes and you want to buy the smaller size and Mm. squeeze into it because it is the smaller size. But you know what? You don't need the smaller size because the size doesn't matter. And I think when people are reading my blog, they're almost finding themselves leaving the store happier because they can actually wear something that they can fit into. Mm. 
And the second time people often call me is like night eating, for example. Night eating is a big problem for all of us. You know, the the nighttime is where we we replay the day. We think about (laughs) things we didn't get done. You know, it's a we might be lonely. We might be sad. You know, we want a friend. We eat food. But I think a lot of times the night is where people are like, why am I eating? And then they start to think about my blog and things that I've written about. And they're able to also, you know, connect, connect their triggers, you know, with night eating, not to go off on a tangent. But one thing that used to drive me nuts is when I would read in a magazine, one way to stop night eating is to brush your teeth. And I would be like, (laughs) yeah, right. I will go brush my teeth. And then I will walk downstairs and eat and I'll brush my teeth again and I will eat. And that's another like aha moment for me when I said, it's not about brushing the teeth. There's something that makes is making me eat and I need to figure out what it is. You know, let me just piggyback off that for just a second, even from a psychological or physiological standpoint at night as well. If, if we're not able to really recognize if there's an emotional trigger, you can just think about it this way. And when we're tired, and at night, our body struggles between recognizing or be able to differentiate between hunger, thirst, and sleep. And so when we find that we're eating, 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 and eating, <laughs> you know, I've done this, you know, but before I had this aha moment a while ago, I, um, I was thinking about this. I was like, oh my gosh, James, your body, of course, can't recognize the difference. So that's why you can eat like a whole bag of chips. You're like, I'm so hungry. Well, the reality is I wasn't hungry. I was actually either thirsty or really tired. So for me, sometimes mm-hmm. if I can't figure out what, if, if I'm not struggling with anything emotionally, I just simply say, James, drink a lot of water or go to sleep. And for mm-hmm. me, that's what I found when I have that aha moment for me from a psychological or physiological standpoint, then I'm like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. I'm probably yeah. not hungry. I'm probably just thirsty or really sleepy. So that's another little, yeah, another little point for people as well if they can't really recognize whatever that emotional distress is in their life. Yeah, and another tip that I find really helpful for myself is to have an if list. So, and I have to write it down. It has to be sitting on my desk or sitting in front of me at night, and Mm -hmm. it says, you know, if I walk to the cabinet and I, you know, am knee deep in a bag of Chex mix, then I will. (laughs) Uh And what I'll often have to do is like, you know, okay, you know what, I'm going to go online and order that shirt that I really wanted. I'm going to help myself and calm my emotions. It's just going to be in a way that's mm. more constructive for me than food. Yes. You know, like sometimes at work when, you know, the cupcakes come through for somebody's birthday and I'll look at my list and I'll say, okay, if the cupcakes come, I am going to run across the street and get my eyebrows waxed because I really need to get those waxed. And mm. you know what, that's like going to that. be more constructive than yes. eating the coworkers cupcake, but that's just, you know, it, it takes a lot of self-talk. Mm-hmm. I am talking to myself constantly. <laughs> <I am> too. <laughs> <laughs> I always have my headsets in whenever my, my earbuds in when I'm walking to the gym or going to other places. Cause I'm always talking to myself. I know people think I'm always on the phone. I'm not, I'm just my self-talk that's saying, come on, James, you can do this. And you know, your own self-encouragement. So that's hysterical yeah. that you do the same thing. <laughs> well, Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. We could talk about this for hours, but if Thank my you. listeners would like to find out more information about you and all the amazing things you're doing on the Monday Dieter, where would they find this information on? So you can go to mondaydieter.com and I post every Monday morning. And the reason I post Monday morning is because I think Monday morning is the time we all get to our desks Mm. and we are starting our diet and we're miserable. We've maybe had one almond and one piece of bread and we're (laughs) starving and we're wondering how we're going to make it through the week. And I want you in that moment to log on to mondaydieter.com and I want you to read my post because I truly hope that it will help you realize that starting a diet is not going to help you. So you guess what? You can eat normally that day. Oh, that's and beautiful. that's the best news. That's liberating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nicole, thank you once again for being a guest on my show. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and talk with you. Thank you. Thank you.
I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.